on this episode of Pine State Gothic. We would always joke around sometimes about when things went missing in the house, so... We had a phone call and she said, something happened in your house. Didn't something happen in your house today? And I said, yes. When Bing Crosby sang Pennies from Heaven, he was talking about counting blessings, not counting change. Yet, every time I hear that song, I'm reminded of a time I believe I was actually receiving coins from beyond the grave. When I was 19, I lost someone very close to me in a sudden and tragic way. I was no stranger to loss, had in fact suffered many though it would be years before I actually learned to grieve. After a My Girl-style freakout at my papa's funeral when I was eight, my reflex thereafter was to go numb. In the 12 years that followed, I lost family members, classmates, and friends, but I didn't let myself really feel any of it. The fragility of life, the finality of death, was too much to dwell on for long. When I learned of this particular friend's death, I reeled and then stuffed it down, as was my custom. The next morning, I woke up to find six or seven coins scattered on my bedroom floor. I was house-sitting for friends at the time, alone in a house in the woods, and I worked to debunk it. I must have had change in the pocket of the jeans I had draped across the chair, and the coins slowly worked their way out that night. Competing forces of gravity and friction. Yes, that had to be it. But the coins kept appearing. I found them in the oddest places. A single penny on the kitchen counter I had wiped clean the night before. A dime on the bathroom sink that I know I didn't place there. Another penny sitting on a clean white snowdrift outside the front door. No footprints in sight. I have no way of knowing exactly who was sending me pennies from heaven. But when death can feel so final, a message that seems to come from the other side is certainly a silver lining. I'm Leah Watkins. On this episode of Pine State Gothic, stories of love transcending death. Our first story comes from Jess, who as a teenager living with her grandmother in China, Maine, got a message loud and clear from her grandfather, who had passed years before. Here's Jess. My name is Jess, and this story took place in China, Maine, at my grandmother's house. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents from the time when I was born up until I went off to college when I was 18. My grandmother, and I call him my papa, they were both from, you know, um, previous marriages. They had met, and it was you know, a really sweet, like, true love story, love at first sight thing. And they had just, like, a wonderful marriage. They were always so happy. You know, when you think of warm, happy grandparents, like, that is, you know, who they were. 
I was very close to the both of them. My my mom was working a lot, um, so I would go and they would babysit me. We just had fun. We did fishing, we did things outside, gardening. Spent a lot of time there. It was a very happy place for me. It was 1999. I don't know, I was probably eight. My papa had been battling cancer for a few years, several years, and it was really getting to the point where, you know, he wasn't he wasn't able to fight much longer. So, you know, the doctors let us know, you know, it's it's inevitable. You know, he's he's probably going to be passing away soon. It was December, yeah, 1999. I was at my father's house. My parents were split up, so I would go and have. Um, you know, Christmas Eve or something with with my dad and his family and then go back to my mom's for Christmas Day. So I was at my father's house, you know, doing fun Christmas things and eight, like, you know, not worrying about anything. And um, my dad gets a phone call, I believe from my mom. And she had told him that my papa had passed away from cancer. You know, on the way home, my dad in the car tried his best to, you know, have that conversation with me and, you know, I guess prepare me for what my mom and my grandmother were going to be telling me when I arrived home. They told me it was sad, very upsetting. I was very close with them. But, you know, being eight, like I didn't really understand death. You know, you you get what it is, but you don't really understand it. After he passed, you know, it took a big toll on everybody, but we managed life went on you know we always had him in in our hearts and in the back of our minds and when I was a little bit older maybe like pre-teens uh 12 13 that sort of you know uh hormonal fun time um we would always joke around sometimes about when things went missing in the house so actually at this time it was me my grandmother and my mom that were living in my grandmother's house Um, My uh, stepfather and my mother had um, split up, unfortunately. So we moved in with my grandmother since it was just her at her house. So we spent a lot of time together and we'd always have conversations about missing my papa. And, you know, when things would go missing in the house, we would joke about it, like it being him or, you know, just something kind of spooky, funny. Um, But we'd laugh about it to kind of, you know, make ourselves feel better. Um, So we weren't like too creeped out, even though we, you know, if it was him, it's not someone scary. But anyways, so there was a couple different things that would just, it was very mild, um, you know, footsteps, you know, smelling his cologne. Like he wore this cologne that was just, when you smelled it, you you knew it was him. Um, So smelling that. My grandmother, I know, said that she had heard him um, just very faintly or had seen him, you know, in the middle of the night, like her waking up and thinking she saw him at the foot of the bed or something like that. Um, And I've always been into the paranormal from a very, very young age. And I, I always believed her. But of course, there's always like that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind. Like, you know, what if, you know, she's just, you know, bullshitting me or I don't know, losing her mind. As I got a little bit older, I was probably like 15 at this point. My mom had moved out. She had a new boyfriend, so she had moved out. So it was just me and my grandmother. So her and I spent a lot of time together. We would also have those conversations, just reminiscing about him and talking about weird things that might have happened the night before or, you know, whatever. So on this particular day, I was in the bathroom and I was about to start getting ready to go somewhere 
When I was at this age, I was going through like kind of a really rough period. Um, you know, my mom was gone. She had a new boyfriend, which, you know, she didn't abandon me, but I just kind of felt lonely. Um, wasn't really making the best choices in life, hanging out with the best people. Like, I just didn't feel good about myself. And I just had like this really bad, like self-image of, of myself. So I always had struggled with that. I was getting ready in the bathroom. Um, I always had all my makeup in this one makeup bag. So I would always take things out the same way, lay them all out in their one spots and get everything laid out to do my makeup. So I did that and then my phone started ringing in my bedroom. So I went to go grab my phone, so left the bathroom. I was maybe in the other room for 10 seconds just to grab my phone. And when I came back, I was just going to continue doing my makeup. And one of, it's this one particular piece of makeup. It's by CoverGirl. It's like a, it looks like lipstick, but it's a, con a concealer stick. So um, it was the only kind I used, but I knew where it was. Like I always had it in the right spot. So I walked back in the bathroom and it was gone. And I had just had it in my hand um, before my phone was ringing. And I know I didn't carry it with me. I remember putting it down. So I was like, you know, that's that's weird. So, you know, I looked on the floor, like maybe it rolled off. I looked in the drawers to make sure, you know, I just didn't stick it in there. Um, I pretty much looked everywhere in that bathroom and I looked in my bedroom where I went to go get my phone and wasn't there. So it's like, well, you know, that's weird. And I even said out loud something along the lines of, you know, okay, that's funny, but you know, I need to go out, I need my, my concealer. Um, <laughs> so I just did my makeup without it and, um, got dressed and was ready to head out. So I went to the fridge in the kitchen, grab a drink before I left. And we had the microwave on the counter by the refrigerator. And there was, there was this vintage tray on top and it would hold like random things like paper clips or like mints or batteries. I don't know. It was just like a, one of those things you put your, all your clutter on. So, um, so I went to go grab a drink out of the fridge, opening it up, and I just happened to glance at the microwave. And on the tray, that concealer stick was there, standing straight up. Like it, like I had just walked there and put it down there, and you know. But yeah, it was it was right there, and I had not gone towards the fridge or in the kitchen whatsoever after I was in the bathroom. You know, after I had that piece of makeup in my hand. You know, it was it's kind of funny because. After I, that experience, I would think back on it and I would often get caught by my papa in the bathroom um, messing around with my grandmother's makeup, you know, when I was younger, four or five, and he would always come in and tell me, you don't need that makeup, you know, like put it away, you're beautiful. Um, so I guess I like to think of it as his way of, of telling me, you know, it's gonna be okay. And, uh, you know, you don't need this makeup. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to continue covering up. Just, you know, be you, you know, just, just stop. So, and I did. So soon after that, I went to college and I tried to start making better life choices. I, I am living a very happy, productive life right now. So <laughs> I took his advice, I think. <laughs> Jess, I'm so grateful you chose to share your story. We are never really ready for our loved ones to leave us, but for Hannah and her family in Herman, the sudden death of her grandmother was especially difficult. She's going to share why death doesn't always mean goodbye when Pine State Gothic continues.
Hannah's grandmother lived with her family in their Herman home until her unexpected passing, but she found a way to let the family know she was there watching over them. Here's Hannah. My name is Hannah, and this story happened last summer in Herman, Maine. Ever since I was a baby, I remember my mom had my baby shoes bronzed. She bronzed my sisters and I, just like keep as a memento of our first shoe coming home. And she displayed them in the china cabinet. So growing up, we always had the china cabinet and we had like pictures and mementos from trips. And then we had our baby shoes. And my mom would always tell guests about them or she would show my niece and nephew. Um, she was really, hanging on to those. She likes to cling to stuff from our childhood and she finds it important. Growing up in the household, we also lived with my grandmother. So it was me, my mom, and my grandmother. My sister was out of the house by this time um, with her own family and her own kids. And we were a very close family. My grandmother was definitely the matriarch of the family. Everyone adored her. She was a very godly woman. She passed in 2011, and it was really hard for us, and it kind of took the family by surprise. It was very sudden. We were all kind of at a loss. We didn't know what to do without her, so to speak, and the house that we lived in, my mom and I, felt very empty, um, very lonely without her sitting in the rocking chair at night, very lonely when she wasn't there in the morning when we were eating breakfast. And about a couple months after my grandmother passed, my mom was cleaning the living room where our china cabinet was. And she took everything off the china cabinet, she put it on the couch, and she did her cleaning for the china cabinet. And we were also getting rid of stuff to go to Goodwill at this time, so we had bags nearby, but they were nowhere near the couch, they were in the hallway. And when my mom went to put stuff back on the china cabinet, she had my sister's baby shoes, the set, and she had mine, but she only had one. We couldn't find the other bronze baby shoe. We went through the entire bag of stuff that we were donating towards Goodwill, and we still couldn't find the baby shoe. We looked all around the couch, under the couch, um, pretty much tore the entire house apart and we could still only find one of my bronze baby shoes, so the other one had been missing. And for the next couple weeks, my mom continued to search for it. She was devastated. She was beside herself. She didn't know where it could have gone, where she may have placed it, but she remembers very vividly that she put all of our four shoes in a cluster on the couch, so there's no possible way that it fell anywhere or that she misplaced it because when she was putting my sister's back she also put mine back and eventually my mom just kind of brushed it aside we went about living our lives last summer my dad who is divorced from my mom was down in Herman at our house doing some yard work and my mom and I were sitting on the living room couch in the living room is pretty much where we do most of our gatherings anyways. If we're going to visit with someone or if we're going to talk, um, it's going to happen in the living room. And my mom and I were sitting looking at the TV, which is right beside the china cabinet, and my mom started screaming. She was freaking out because in the corner of the window, she thought that she could see a bat behind the white curtain. And I started freaking out because naturally my mom's freaking out. So we call my dad in, 
and we tell him that it's a bat and that he needs to take the broom, get it out of the house or whatever. And he is immediately skeptical because it's in, it's around 11, so it's nearing the afternoon. Bats typically, we've had them in our house before, they typically come in at night and they fly up to our big ceiling, so it's a little unusual to see one in the morning. But my dad takes the broomstick and kind of peels the curtain back a little bit and immediately starts laughing. And my mom and I are freaking out. We don't think it's funny whatsoever. And he tells my mom that it's not a bat and he's chuckling to himself. So my mom walks over, very slowly peels back the curtain and hanging from the corner of the wooden window frame by a very small string one singular string was my bronze baby shoe. It had been there for quite some time because it was very dusty. It didn't look cleaned whatsoever. It didn't look like somebody had maliciously placed it there just that day to play a joke on us. It was very dusty as it had been hanging there since my mom cleaned around that area all those years ago. My mom was overjoyed. We got the baby shoe back and we asked my father if he had played a joke on us and he assured us he didn't. And I contacted one of my friends whose mother is a psychic and I didn't tell her what was happening and she immediately knew. She, we had a phone call and she said, something happened in your house. Didn't something happen in your house today? And I said, yes. And she proceeded to tell me that it had in fact been placed there by my grandmother, that nobody had maliciously placed it there and that it was a good energy that was in the house. It wasn't like a malicious energy. They weren't trying to scare us. They weren't trying to do any harm. They just wanted to place a symbol there to let us know that someone was still watching over us. Someone was still there within the house. And that was one of the ways that they have been um, trying to get our attention. It just took us by surprise. It had been there for quite some time and we sit in the living room every night we watch tv together as a family or we have gatherings in the family and the china cabinet is right next to the tv so if you're looking at the tv you can see the windowsill that's above the china cabinet so it's always in our point of view we find it strange that you know having looked in that general area so many times throughout the years that we never noticed something hanging in the window some people are skeptic, they don't necessarily believe, but until you experience something, anything is possible. Hannah worked at an upscale retirement home in Old Town for a time and agreed to share another story about a resident's moving out day. Here's Hannah again. From the years 2016 to 2020, I worked at a local retirement home up near Orno very much one of the ritzier retirement homes that we have in the area for Bangor. I thoroughly enjoyed my job. I did activities there with people who had dementia and Alzheimer's, just facilitating daily activities to make sure they had a good quality of life. And I did have a lot of free time during my day, especially when residents were eating their meals or napping to just kind of visit with residents one-on-one. -on -one. I got to meet families and become very involved in their lives. And it was a really rewarding job. We had a resident who hadn't been over to our side of the building for very long, and they were getting ready to pass away. They were at end of life, and their family calls, and they 
the family is from out of state, there's no way that they can come up to Maine to say goodbye to their loved one before they pass. So my resident is unconscious, um, not responding to staff, not responding to any stimulation. They're going to pass within the day. And the family member calls and they desperately, desperately want to talk to their loved one. And I tell them that unfortunately their loved one cannot hold the phone and cannot hold a conversation. But if they'd like, I can go in and hold the phone to their loved one's ear so they can say goodbye. Our phones are naturally very loud at the retirement home um, because the elderly are hard of hearing. So the volume's always cranked all the way up. And I could hear the loved one on the side of the phone talking to their family member about how it's okay to pass away, that they that they love them and that everything's going to be fine. And I'm watching my resident and there's a little bit of movement, moving of the body, um, flickering of the eyes, and they start talking, they start mumbling. And at first it's pretty incoherent. And the loved one is like desperately trying to figure out what they're trying to say. And my resident opens her eyes and very, very vividly is talking about angels in the room. They're talking about how they're safe, that the angels have been with them, um, that they don't feel scared. And the loved one is very confused. They think that their family member is quote unquote delusional because of their diagnosis of dementia. My resident proceeds to tell their loved one that their husband is coming to get them at a certain time later that evening. And the person on the phone knows very well that the person coming to pick the resident up is very much deceased, that they're not alive, and that they think it's a little um, quote-unquote crazy. And so they say goodbye, and they hang up the phone, and I'm talking to my resident, and she keeps telling me that their loved one is coming to pick them up, that they're going to go see their loved one, that you know they're going to be moving out. That's usually what they say, moving out, leaving. And... I've heard of this stuff happening before, so I was not too skeptical, but I always erred on the side of caution because I have had people say that they're leaving, that someone's come to pick them up and nobody does. And I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. I left my job. I clocked out for that day and I got a text message later that night and they said that my resident had passed away and they had passed away at the exact time that they told me their loved one was coming to pick them up. And I thought that was very strange for a multitude of reasons, partially because that they were unconscious earlier that day until the, their loved one came on the phone. And I personally don't think it's a coincidence because they said that angels were in the room and that you know their loved one was coming to pick them up at a certain time and that is in fact the time that they passed away. Thank you again to my contributors, Hannah and Jess. This episode featured music from Blue Dot Sessions. Pine State Gothic is edited and produced by me, Leah Watkins. This show cannot live without stories from listeners like you. Please email me at pinestategothic at gmail.com.